0: Welcome to That Got Awkward. I'm Chris O'Kinnon, and today I chat with actress, author, and producer Tara Platt. We talk about voiceover acting, the future of entertainment, and I only have one awkward moment of senility. So thanks for stopping by, and let's get on to That Got Awkward. I guess we can start with you just introducing yourself.
1: Sure, my name is Tara Platt. I'm an actress and a writer and a producer, um, an all-around sort of entrepreneurial business person. But at the heart of it all, I'm a storyteller.
0: Good, good. I, I'm I'm a storyteller too. Uh, I just uh, you know I think
1: all are, but we don't admit it. <laughs> yeah,
0: pretty pretty much. I've I've had to try to explain that because uh, uh, you work in IT, you work as a storyteller. Which one are you? Mm, right. Both. Yeah.
1: Um, Even IT tells a story. I mean, it, exa- it.
0: Exactly, exactly. So one of the things you do that I find really fascinating is uh, the voiceover stuff that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, how, did, how did you get into that? I know you were sort of trained first as an actor-actor. Um, yeah. How did you sort of stumble into that?
1: Sure, uh, that kind of happened a little accidentally As you said, I was trained doing stage, and then I had come to Los Angeles to work in film and television, um, sort of doing more on camera or what people would see. And my husband, Yuri Lowenthal, who is also very known for his work as well, he and I were in Los Angeles, and we'd never lived here before, and we were just trying to get our heads Uh on the street and figure out what the heck to do with our lives, and how to put food on the table and, you know, warm clothes and things
0: like <laughs> Yeah. Um,
1: oh, well, you don't need as many warm clothes in Los Angeles <laughs> as you do in New York. But anyway, we were just trying to figure out how to make ends meet. And um, because we are both actors, I started to look at that and I was like, okay, well, what jobs have actors? Where are their actors besides these few that I've thought of, which is mm-hmm. theater, television, and film? And as I started to try to break it down a little bit, I realized that there are lots of other places that you may need actors. Um, and I started to go, hey, wait a minute, cartoons, they're those things that are those animated cartoons <laughs> on television, those are TV, but they're not exactly TV because you're not making all the sets and stuff like that. And we just started sort of rambling about that. And I grew up without a television actually, when I was a kid, Hard. So it, yeah, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't the first thing I thought of, but I used to go see a lot of movies and I, I particularly enjoy animated movies. Okay. And so in my head, I was thinking, oh, like Disney, we could go work for Disney, you know, just do voiceover for Disney. And you're like, okay, but there's all these other ones, because he grew up watching Robotech and actually lots of Japanese right, and, right. and things like that. So he had a very different idea of what that is. And so pretty quickly we were like, well, great, well, we have to explore this at least as an option because we're still acting, we're still doing what we're passionate about, but potentially there could be a way for us to also make ends meet with that happening and so we started a class and from that class he almost immediately booked work and then i fairly shortly thereafter also booked work and we've been doing lots and lots of voiceover ever since although we still do television film stage right any any medium that we're allowed to express ourselves i.e tell stories we do bullets well,
0: that's 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 really neat. Uh, I've I've only been here in California less than two years. Oh uh, yeah. We we moved from Virginia um, for.
1: Oh, where in Virginia?
0: Uh, actually, kind of near where I think you're from, uh, Richmond. Although you're you were like Fairfax, right?
1: Well, I was born in Fairfax, but I grew up when we moved back because we moved around a lot as a kid. But when we went back to Virginia, we were in Glen Allen, which is just ah, crazy.
0: yes. <laughs>
1: so I mean, I went to, I went to uh, what was it, Tuckahoe? Middle school and...
0: You went to Tuckahoe? Mm-hmm. I went to Tuckahoe. While. I went to Tuckahoe. Hated it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't I can't say they wrote particularly nice things on the school sign. Yeah, was, they probably haven't changed that much that since was then.
0: a terrible place. <laughs> so, yep,
1: yep.
0: Wow. I, mean,
1: you know, I know why it's named Tuckahoe, the whole Indian yeah. thing, but that never stopped kids on the weekend from no. just facing the,
0: the no it, it, was, it was well and chances are some of my friends were, were doing that as well but sure. uh, well that's that's neat it's a, it's a small there's going to be a lot of people in california who are from virginia it's uh true. It's, it's true it's uh, true Tells you something about Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. they
1: just get tired of the, they get tired of the muggy days in the summer you, and then well, the cold cold winters.
0: <laughs> wait, I tell people uh, I meet out here about Virginia, and they think I'm lying when I tell them that they're still hashing out the Civil War back there. Uh, it's like, yeah, they're not. It's not a done deal there. <laughs> I
1: mean, that may be true for more places than we realize.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, that's very true. Okay. Um, so the. Uh, for somebody who is interested in getting into voiceover, is it, is it still the same approach that you would take now, that then take a class and go looking? Yes, or?
1: yes. and I mean I, I still give that advice. And uh, as you probably know, Yuri and I actually wrote a book on voiceover.
0: I've and ordered it.
1: Voiceover and, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it, it is very similar advice to what we did because we knew that that's the path that we had followed. And so we knew that that was at least one way. To assure that you were getting the training you needed, mm-hmm. that you understood what you needed to do, and that you had some options available to you to be able to pursue it. That, of course, by no means is the only way. Right. And you know, I always say, there for anything, there's there's a different path for anyone. Right. So, um, I've actually been finding a lot recently. I mean, because now Yuri and I have been doing this for. 12 years, 11 and 12 years. How have we been doing voiceover? We've been in Los Angeles for over 13, which is just crazy. <laughs> um, but, uh, but so what I've noticed is unlike the path that we kind of followed and that I think a lot of people did follow during that time, now there's a lot of people that are actually using social media and um, YouTube channels and things yeah. like that. To be able to create sort of either a name for themselves, they dub things that are already out there and available. Oh yeah, like yeah,
0: fans, that...
1: like fan subdub dub thing, um, and or they just get really clever with social media and they befriend the people in the business working in the industry, right. and then they sweet talk favors and come into studios and meet people, and then that way they actually get on their feet in a different. Oh way. yeah, yeah. That's, you know, I mean, I'm not saying there's any one right way or there's only you know a certain thing. I still think that there's a lot of merit with making sure that you know you like what what it is, that mm-hmm. you understand the craft of it, and that you can work to a particular level. But I do think in any business, there are going to be some people that are more inherently good at it, whereas other people are going to have to train for it. Right. So, I mean, that's that's right. a personal thing. It, it all just depends on the person.
0: Well, you you, you seem to be pretty good at uh, coming up with. The, you know, different dialects, voices, that sort of thing. Um, I, I know this question is probably similar to asking a writer where they get their ideas, <laughs> um, but w- how do you decide what huh. sort of voice a character will have, what sort of inflections, that sort of thing? Yeah,
1: that's, a, that's a good question. It's really hard to kind of put into words, but it, it's almost like, I mean, the best way I can equate it is when you're a little kid and you decide you're going to play a game with another little kid, you just sort of know how to do it. You're like, hey, we're playing dress up and I'm a doctor and you're the astronaut and like it just all kind of makes sense because you're playing. Right. And because you're playing, there's not really a wrong answer, but it just sort of makes sense to do it the way that you're doing it and then there's the fun in it. And so I think for me part of it is just that playful quality of oh, okay, cool. So tell me a little bit about the project. All right, let me start to put those pieces in my head and what pictures come to mind? What what emotions do I start to get or feelings do I have? And then how do I sort of picture that sounding? And sometimes it's very similar to the thing. So you picture a tiny, cute little mushroom mm-hmm. and he's floating along and he's really cute. And you start to get this sort of cute sound because <laughs> that's, the, that's the image that you're picturing right. for the character. Other times you get the same information and you're like, okay, it's this tiny, cute little mushroom and he's floating around and he's this... And you get a very different... And you get a very, very different sort of creative impulse that drives the course of your decision-making in a very different direction, both equally valid. And if you were were to take... Almost like if you were to take performances that have happened and take the complete opposite choice, they would be equally interesting and just as much fun and versatile and... And all of that, just sort of like I did with that little example of right. the voice. In one way it felt really right in that way, but then when you go the other way, you're like, oh, that's really cool, and I see it in a different way now. It's all it's all just playing, I think. Yeah. Really, just giving yourself permission to play.
0: Okay. Well, that, that, that makes sense, but, you know... In my case, I've got, like, two voices, and they're both dumb rednecks, so it's... Oh, no, everyone's got
1: lots and
0: lots of voices. All mine end up drifting into that, whether I, I'll start with something, I'll start with a British accent, and it ends up in a dumb redneck. Uh, but, uh, okay, well, that, that makes sense. Um, what, uh, I, I know you started with a lot of uh, anime, and uh, and I... Not terribly into that myself. I'm, my wife is more than so; she's Japanese. Um, but um, what have you have you done? Any things? I thought Wonder Woman was awesome. Uh, um, uh, what anime did you do? Uh, I'm trying to ask this question, not sound like a complete idiot. Um, did you do it was a movie that Disney produced, but it was anime. Yeah, I'm not helping. See, I knew I'd end up sounding like an idiot because uh,
1: I've been very fortunate. I've worked a lot, so I, that doesn't actually doesn't do
0: narrow it down. Sorry, Are you no, from I mean, Virginia. I've you know that things. guy from Virginia? I've done yeah.
1: Several original series. Okay. Um, like original Saturday morning, what used to be Saturday morning cartoon sort of stuff. Okay. I've done a lot of video games. Yeah. Um, I've done I've done kids stuff. So like I read books aloud, and you know, like as a okay. narrator for kids, I've done Disney things where I played you know,
0: little character stuff for them,
1: so, yes, it's, it's weird. maybe it's not me, I don't, uh, I don't actually know what you're thinking
0: of, so I well, it, it wouldn't, South. wouldn't be appropriate if I didn't sound stupid at some point, um, <laughs> it's, it's weird with voiceover folks, you don't necessarily know them, but you know I, them, because yeah. I started going through your reels, and I went, oh, yeah, oh, you know, so it's, yeah. it's a lot of that stuff, um, is there anything in particular that you're really proud of, that you've worked mm. on?
1: That's hard because I think any time you're fortunate enough to get selected and cast and get to play on something, there's a sense of pride in the fact that, hey, they picked me. That's that's cool. Um, So there's that. But like you said, I mean, there are certain characters that become more iconic. So Wonder Woman, of course, I mean, it's really cool to be able to say, I've gotten to play Wonder Woman. (laughs) And then there are projects that are more challenging that when you get to work on it, you feel a personal sense of pride. because. Of the difficulty, or you know how how many people they saw for it, or things Mm. like that, that just sort of lends you a sense of it doesn't mean that your performance is more outstanding than any of your other performances, but you have a certain pride in it. And then also, I mean, being able to do something for a long term. In fact, like Tamari on Naruto, I've gotten to play her as a character for almost a decade. Yeah. Like, how often do any actors, any performers? Any voice artists really get to do that. I mean, there are people Mm -hmm. that do that. I mean, look at the people on The Simpsons.
0: Right, right.
1: (laughs) But but it's exciting to be able to be a part of something that is so, I don't know what the right term is, but that is so much bigger than you are.
0: Yeah, so vast. It
1: it feels exciting to be a part of a juggernaut, kind of, I guess, is the best way to term it. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot that I've gotten to work on that I'm really excited about or you know, like, it's nice when you get to do something like a learning or an education thing for kids. You sort of feel like, oh, that's so great. I'm actually helping them learn to speak for the first time. Or I'm I'm reading this children's book aloud, so there's going to be all these kids that are going to be listening to me reading them a bedtime story. Or I'm the voice in the toy. Like, they'll get to play with it. And I'm (laughs) going to be the one that they're talking to or mimicking or playing with because that's my voice in that object. And so... There's, there's a certain element of that. I and mean, then there's other things where are like, oh, my God, I'm so cool. I worked on this hot title. You know, like, whatever. You know, we, all, we all are excited about something. Oh, yeah,
0: definitely. Is there is there anything that you would, like, strike off your resume? <laughs> something that you did that you, when you when you went back, it's like, ah, that's probably you know,
1: not... I don't think so because I feel like everything you do, you're learning from. And so even the jobs that I was like, meh. You know, or they cast me, but I don't think I ever did what they really wanted me to do oh, yeah, and things yeah. like that. You know, you feel somehow a sense of, I guess, or I feel a sense of obligation to the project and I want it to succeed. But sometimes I'm like, maybe I really wasn't the right fit or I mm. kind of felt bad and that's why they kept me on. or i was just <laughs> like fired. I mean, I've gotten, I've gotten jobs and then got fired off of jobs. You know, I haven't really liked the direction that they've chosen to go with a character vocally or, you know, things like that but I don't think I would strike anything from my resume, although I will say I don't have the best memory for all the things I've worked on right. because over the course of however long this is, I've done a lot of different jobs. And unlike a fan who gets to experience the project in a very sort of all-inclusive way because they're watching the show or the video game or whatever from beginning to end and they're they're in it and they're experiencing those characters as full beings, when I go in to record, I may only get to see my lines, I may do five takes per line or three takes per line and just get in and get out and that's all the experience I've had is two hours or four yeah. hours or three days working on this project or this title with, with it being very disjointed. I won't see the character except for a flat image that they show me when I first start recording mm-hmm. so that they know kind of what the character looks like or whatever. But I don't have the same association or relationship that the fan may because now they've gotten to see the whole right. thing story right. being told in a more rich environment and so I've forgotten things that I've worked on or characters I've played or what their voices sound like and sometimes I feel bad about that because it's not that I'm trying to strike it from my resume or my memory but the experience wasn't necessarily as memorable to me as it was to somebody else who has gotten to enjoy it or perceive it or observe it and so there's been a couple instances where at conventions you know somebody said something I'm like oh I didn't work on that they're like no that's you and are <laughs> me and I'm like Except that was me, and I'm very sorry. <laughs> or sometimes you don't know the name of what you're working on because right. it's under NDAA, and so everybody's so secretive nowadays that like they, the titles of the projects are like the Untitled War Death Game, and you're like, well, that could be any single game that ever comes out, and you know, unless you know your character's name so specifically, you know.
0: Wow. Yeah. And and I imagine you're when you're you know, even though it's like you know, cast of thousands, a lot of times you'll do your part. By yourself? Is that how that works?
1: More often than not, I mean with original animation, if it's like a cartoon, you oftentimes record together because that way you get the, I don't know, the flow of somebody mm-hmm. saying their line and then you responding. It's almost like a table read for theater. But um, with video games, almost, almost all of them, I would say 99% of the time, it's all individual because they're trying to get through it. It's very technical, even if it's original, it's a brand new video game, they still record everyone separately. With any kind of dubbing, you know, Japanese animation Mm -hmm. or French animation or anything like that, you go in single one at a time because you're having to record that individually. And most stuff that you do that's cartoon, I mean, that's not cartoon, that's um, like book on tape or kids' toys or things like that, you do solo. Books on tape, you do solo. Um, I mean, most of the work is solo. And so you're not having that kind of interaction with anyone else unless it's original animation where you're actually getting to do a group record. Which is why I think so many people love original animation so much. Right. Because you get the opportunity to work with your fellow actors as opposed to just seeing their name on the sign-in sheet.
0: Does it bother you when you have to do it so isolated?
1: No, because I think, I mean, it's kind of like that thing I was saying earlier about when you're a kid and you play dress-up and you're playing with your friend. Your friend in this case just happens to be you. So you're playing with your, Like, you, you are your friend.
0: Right. And so
1: you're making the choices for your friend as well as you. So you're basically playing two characters at once.
0: Yeah, my, my seven-year-old does that all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. she'll, she'll have these long, drawn-out conversations with herself and arguments, and I'll walk by and look at her, and she'll go, Shh, I'm playing.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, honestly, I think I think the fact that I was an only kid and I moved around a lot and I didn't have a lot of friends as a kid probably actually helps me in my my career. <laughs> it
0: it well, it's it sounds like that's the sort of. I mean, a lot of people aren't really good by themselves. They they don't yes. like the silence in their own heads. And it, yeah. And, but it's it's good that that's that's uh it's it's nice to know that I still have uh, some um dysfunctions that could be profitable in the future.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Um. One of the things I wanted to ask you, actually, the first time I ever saw your face was on tabletop. Oh, um, uh,
1: yeah, tabletop.
0: What What did you think about that? Is Is that? I get the feeling that that's like a long game or multi, a drawn out process. Is it that way, or is it?
1: No, I mean, like, yes, we're playing the game and we play it from beginning to end. But I, I like playing games, and right. those people that I get to play with are my friends, and so. It ends up just being a really fun experience. Okay. It's just like if you invited some friends over on a Friday night, and you're like, hey, let's drink some wine and play a video game. Or not, uh, not play a video game, but play a tabletop game. It's sort of that kind of experience. So, I mean, to me, it, it flew by. It kind of it goes really fast when you're okay. actually in the game process. Um, and then they do an amazing job on that show of editing and figuring yeah, out what they way do. to show things. And then, you know, even during the process of while you're shooting, they know when to take breaks. So that, that way, everyone can run to the bathroom, and then they also sort of individually go, "Hey, can you come talk to the camera and say what you're doing right now in the game?" So okay. it's happening. So like that way, they, they do a really good job of managing it. And so you're you pretty much you show up, you make sure everything's ready, you make sure that you know who you're playing with and what's going on, and then you just do it, and it's really lots of fun. It
0: it's one of those weird shows that uh, um, when you describe it to somebody, it's like, "Well, that sounds." boring as can be and then you watch it and it's like oh my god this was so much fun to watch because
1: yeah. well, i think in part the idea of watching somebody else get to play the game feels like why would i want to? a loser
0: that? i am but,
1: but but because you're watching people genuinely reacting and having mm-hmm. their emotions and what's fascinating is really genuinely watching people be people right and so when you're watching people be people some of whom you may already enjoy and like be in favor of, then it's really interesting to sort of watch that, how it all plays out and how they handle circumstances, because honestly, much like life, a game, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, right. sometimes it's going in your favor, sometimes it's not, and it's kind of nice to be able to watch how other people handle the ups and downs. How did,
0: how do did, how did they pick uh, the, the players? Is it basically people that they all know, or do they yeah, just say, who I mean, plays? I know
1: that they have a pretty wide net. I don't exactly know of who whose name is on the list. Right. Um Yuri and I happen to be friends with Will and um we know Felicia and so we already were friendly with them and so I think that's probably one of the and they knew that we play board games here yeah. at home. We own board games, we have people over to play board games. So I think they already knew that we were, I don't know, like-minded. like minded.
0: Available and and uh yeah. receptive to the uh the venue. Exactly.
1: Uh, but I don't I don't know how they go through
0: it's one of the one of the things I like about that is how you know it's been successful, but it's not a
1: huge
0: network endeavor. Yeah, um,
1: exactly, exactly. It's very independent. Yeah, and, it's
0: independent. And, and that leads me to my next question. You know, I I've I mean I've been I've worked with the web forever. Um, I recently started my own YouTube channel at my son's request because. He plays games and doesn't want YouTube. He's 14, and it's adorable. And he said, you should do it. So oh, I did it. I'm horrible, but it was a lot of fun. And in getting into this, I've noticed, you know, Geek and Sundry. It, Fifteen years ago, Geek and Sundry would never exist. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's this cool thing that the web is allowing people who would not normally have had a chance to be creative to be creative absolutely do you see this how do you see this uh, impacting you know your not only your career but the future of entertainment overall
1: that's a really big question it is <laughs> um, uh, I mean I think the whole entertainment industry is changing and I think that the what you're seeing right now in terms of the, the YouTube sensations and the web and the current trends that are happening is just symptomatic of the whole entertainment industry going through a big shift and going Mm -hmm. through a big change. I think that's partly due to technology. The easier it is for people to be able to create things and do things on their own for cheaper amounts of money, you know, the the ease of of being able to do something on one's own and be able to to put it out there and potentially have access to everyone in the world is not something that used to be available, you know? And it went from very, very small insular sort of System to now sort of this giant ecosystem, a world system that now doesn't support the original plan in the same way because it simply can't. It's not. It's not the same system. It's mutated. Right. It's changed. Right. It's evolved. It's grown, and so because of that, I think there is a huge shift that's going on right now. I wish I knew what trends were going to happen because <laughs> I'm hugely wildly successful. Exactly. But um, so that said, I don't think anyone really knows for sure where things are headed, because if they did, then they would have all of the money and the power, because they would know what was coming. But um, I do think that technology shifting has changed the way things are done, and you notice that in television, even in the ways that there are more... Subscription-based content yeah. uh, providers, um, Hulu's, the the HBOs, things like that, where you're subscribing to that rather than just coming home and turning on your television. Whatever's there is what you watch, and like the whole way that people get entertainment, the way that people have fandoms, the accessibility of people to people that they care about, the connectivity, things like social media, the the platforms that people have access to, completely changes not only the things that we're seeing content-wise, but the way the content is actually created, yeah, which also is affected by the technology that's there to do the creating and then that ease of getting the technology into the hands of every man also does that. So I think we're kind of in a, we're in the middle of a hurricane, kind of. Mm -hmm. And I wish I knew whose boats were going to float at the end of the hurricane and you get on one of those boats. But, um, But I do think right now there's going to be a huge, continuing to be a huge influx of content. It's almost like too much content. It's more than the market, if you want to call it that, can bear because everyone has access to their iPhone and they can get on their iPhone and they can film the thing and then they post it on the internet and anyone can watch it. And I think there's definitely validity to that and I think you could look at that as the artistry of everyone's being able to have their voice heard, which is exciting, but at the same time, it gets to a point where if everything's art, then nothing's art, even right. though, in a way, everything in the world is art. Right. And we're all being able to be subjective and the deciding uh, voices of what we we give our attention to. It's just that we are so inundated with so much information constantly that it becomes a sort of white noise. Mm. And then we don't really tune into anything and so then we look to people to be the decision makers for us. So then you have these aggregators who then go, well there's here's all the here's all the cattle that's coming this way. So I'm going to make them form a line and then I'm going to pick out which cattle are going to be going to you. And so you're already giving the power away. So right. it's not the every man that's watching it cuz now it's going to aggregators and then that's really where the power position is. I mean in a way who these big channels are whether it's on the web or on television or as a network provider of some sort. They're already going through and deciding what content you're really getting to see anyway it's not like you're really seeing everything
0: yeah it's it's similar to you know back in the day when I started writing the your only option was uh, a a mainstream publisher now with ebooks you know everybody's got something out there and you know as with everything 99% of it is crap Um, but it's harder to you know there's nobody aggregating the ebooks yeah. uh, except yeah. for the author themselves and yeah. you know they have a blind spot sure
1: um, i think it's great because you know joe blow in the middle of podunk wherever can write the thing he's so passionate about and he puts right. it out and he has a book he and does. how exciting that is where nobody's telling him no because right. so much you know when you do have a particular aggregated s- section then there are going to be a lot of no's, there yeah. are going to be a lot of closed doors and so it's exciting that there's so much freedom but it also means that then people don't necessarily reach the high highs they may have right but they don't reach the low lows they may have so it's sort of genericizes and i don't know if that's a word it can be <laughs> but it's sort of like i don't know i think at some point it, it's going to have to like balance out the shift but then you're going to get back to the point where the sort of the cream rises back to the top right. i think it has to get that way because then no one's going to care about anything
0: it, I, I, think it, it's, it'll work itself out. It's not done yet, um, but you occasionally see it. Like, um, are you familiar with Hugh Howie and his Wool series? No. So, it's all right. He, um, um, he started publishing his own stuff as eBooks, uh, little little bits at a time. He managed to to hit that spot that it became very successful, and a mainstream publishing house picked him up, and you know he started you know making all the money.
1: Exactly. You
0: couldn't do that 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, I yeah. mean, when I when I was a kid, I would make movies with Super 8 projectors and do the special effects by scratching the film. Awesome. But because I was in Virginia, it's like, well, there's no way I can go into movies uh, right. because I'm in Virginia, and yeah. you know, yeah. so you pick something else. Whereas now, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, it's just like you said. It's still at that spot where. There, nobody's sure where it's, everything's gonna land. Um, yeah,
1: and I think also, especially in the entertainment industry, it's such a fear-driven mm-hmm. industry because it's all about the money and where is the money, and if they don't like this, then the money doesn't go there, so where is the money right. flowing? That's the power, the power is the money, and vice versa. And so because of that, you've got a lot of scared people making decisions right. about what what is right. valuable and what is good and what has worth and what's artistic. Um, what what is called entertainment and what they're gonna pick and so I think that also has to sort of get remedied along the way yeah. because you know think about how many shows you've loved on television that get canceled yeah it's a fear-based decision and yet you know like who is it really hurting who is it really benefiting all that stuff
0: right right it, it's 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 an interesting time to be alive yeah. uh, I, it's I'd rather I'd rather know the answers, but you know well, what are you, sure. you going to do? We all
1: got like a uh, magic um, I don't know, <laughs> lottery ticket that comes from the future that we know we <laughs> we're guaranteed.
0: Well, let me I, I, I have uh, one scripted question, and and then you can tell me anything that you're you're interested in uh, promoting. Okay. Um, I saw that you're a certified master hypnotist. I am. Um, how did that come about?
1: I am a student of the world and a student of life and I think that you should always be learning I think learning is what makes you more you and so I decided to put myself through school and get a degree in um, hypnotherapy and so okay. I did I went I went back to school I got a degree in hypnotherapy and neurolinguistic programming and um, therapeutic imagery all that sort of good stuff and yeah uh, I just I did it because I was fascinated I'm fascinated by the way the mind works I'm yes. fascinated by the way that sometimes we're able to easily make changes in our lives while other times we seem extremely hindered mm-hmm. and we get stuck in patterns and rope behavior that's actually not helping us, even though we're aware that it's not helping us, we still do it. And so I was fascinated by why that happens and how to make the shift and how to make the change. And I uh, realized that traditional therapy doesn't always do that. People can go for years and years and years to therapy and go talking about the terrible thing that happened to them when they were whenever, and they still sort of stay on it and they harp on it and it doesn't actually change behavior. Sometimes it does, but just mm-hmm. you know, like it doesn't always. Whereas I started to notice that the difference about hypnosis was people would go to a session or two and already behavior patterns would start to shift and change. And I was like, okay, there's something there's something, something here. There. I think there's validity to being able to talk through your problems and get it out and mm-hmm. communicate it and figure out why you feel what you feel and who who you are now versus who you were then and and really be able to psychoanalyze something and sort of process that on a certain level but i think there's a lot of validity with just saying look the car's broken let's just change the tire let's not discuss how why when the tire was invented and why (laughs) cars have tires and which direction the steering wheel should be in like those are all important things and if you want to understand how a car goes that's very important and can be your life journey but in the meantime, you can't get back on the highway till you fix that tire. Right. So I, so that was one of the reasons, and I was very, very happy. And I went to school, and I got my degree, and I actually saw clients for a while because actually, as a part of getting my degree, you have to have a practice. Oh, like so you the have to, you have clinical to log, part. Log <laughs> yeah, you have to log client hours and actually be working. And so I did that for a little over a year. Um, after you know through school and then after school, I continued it, but I. But I knew that I was only really doing the school for me because I right. really was just fascinated and I wanted to understand it. And so, as I let my practice wind down, I, like I got rid of my insurance and things like that because I'm, I'm not, I don't see clients. I don't have, you know, I don't have a therapy office that people right. come to. But I, I still am certified and I still, I still am a hypnotherapist. I just don't practice.
0: Do you, do you ever try to hypnotize your husband to take out the trash?
1: <laughs> no, he's very good about okay. that. Um, no, but I mean, occasionally, like in my life. I will, if I'm encountering a, a problem that I don't like, I'll actually go in our recording booth and I'll record a track for myself. Oh, really? hmm
0: Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Um, so what are you working on now that you, you'd you like to promote to the dozens of people who listen?
1: That's a great <laughs> question. Well, uh, Yuri and I have uh, our own production company, but mm-hmm. we also have our own publishing company. And with our production company, we just finished a steampunk adventure short. Oh. And there will actually be a graphic novel that's going to be coming out that is about that character. It's called Topsy McGee. Uh, her, her name is Topsy McGee, and the short is Topsy McGee versus The Sky Pirates, but the graphic novel is just Topsy McGee, okay. and one of her adventures. And um, it just got in, it's going to be at uh, a con. It's going to be at the Marche de Cannes in France. Oh. And, it, and we just got into, we found out yesterday, we are an official selection of the New York City Independent Film Festival. Oh, good. So we're going to be screening there, which I'm really, really excited about. And then, um, just Still working on lots of other things. Con Artists, which is a movie that we did about conventions. And it's a mockumentary, so it's more Christopher Guest style. Okay, okay. it's about us as voice artists at conventions. And sort of this false sense of fame that we have. (laughs) Letting it go to our heads and stuff. We play diva versions of ourselves, which is very silly. Um, That actually just came out um, on Vimeo. So on demand, you can watch it. But it's coming out on DVD really soon. Oh, cool. So you can either watch it right now if you go to Vimeo On Demand Con Artists Movie and you can watch it. Or you can wait and you can get a DVD.
0: So well, I'll can... do that.
1: Okay. Uh, so that'll be coming out <laughs> soon, which we're excited about. And then I've actually been writing um, a kid, uh, like a, an interactive sort of epistolary journal book of a traveling gypsy girl named Zartana. And so I'm working right now with my artist and illustrator all over the world to to finalize all the images. Okay. And I'm going to be working with a printing company that's actually in the UK because they specialize in paper engineering because it's not quite a pop-up book, but it's an interactive book. Okay. Things that sort of you can interact with because once again, I say I'm a storyteller so I do There you go.
0: Well, that's that's pretty neat. and and send me any links that you'd like me to include in the show notes sure. and that sort of stuff. Sure. I'll uh, be happy to. And I'll I'll try to get them right. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has this has been very interesting. I, like I, I did order your book because I'm I'm fascinated by the uh, the voiceover stuff. Um, I, like you've probably heard, I have a face for radio. So uh, that's that's sort of uh, we it.
1: all have faces for radio. <laughs> <laughs> so, there
0: you go. And I've I I have free time right now because uh, my other job disappeared, so uh, I figured I'd uh, do some research into things of of that nature and uh, try to get that third voice out, maybe.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. All
0: right, well, thank you very much. Uh, I'm I'm glad you you did this. All right, thank you very much, and have a good day.
1: Thank you, too. Bye. Bye.
0: This is the end of the podcast. I'm sorry there isn't any more, but eventually people have to stop talking, because they have to go to the store, I'd stay if only I could, but, this is the end of the podcast, I'm sorry there isn't any more. But eventually people have to stop talking because they have to go to the store. I'd stay if only I could, but this is the end of the podcast. I'm sorry there isn't any more, but eventually people have to stop talking Because they have to go to the store.